It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 193 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the Spotlight, as well as the We Have to Go Back Lost Revisited Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from Urgent Care, I am Rob Martin. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, no, you can probably all tell I am sick as a dog, but I apologize. I'm going to try to make this as painless on your ears as possible. Um, but the reason that we did not want to miss a episode or put us behind is because since we're getting closer and closer to gearing up for crisis, we wanted to make sure that regardless, these episodes were coming out because we're now only, what, five weeks away, six weeks away at this point? It's, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. it's like five weeks. I think we're we're only five weeks away. So uh, instead of us trying to have to pull double duty on an episode this coming week, we just wanted to make sure we got this done. So uh, if you yeah. get a lot of you're, coughing and sniffling, I apologize. You're yeah, you're already hearing this a day late, which we apologize for. Um, but that was in combination to one, Rob, you're not feeling well. And two, Halloween party. Uh, uh, us being up until about three mm, thirty, four o'clock in the morning, Saturday night from your Halloween party, which was fun. I had a good time. It uh, was a lot of fun. And I have to pay kudos to you and your wife, Kat, for uh, your Halloween costume. Yeah, as uh, Larry and um, and Rita, yeah, and Larry and Rita from Doom Patrol, very well done costumes. I'll I'll put a shot up from um our our Facebook and put it on the uh, our Facebook page for DC because yeah, I that was a fun costume to do. That was uh, yeah. it was it it was an uncomfortable costume to do, but it was a fun <laughs> costume to do. So, uh, yeah, I broke out my I broke out a, a comic book classic for me as well, except I went the Marvel route. Yeah, and uh, you look great too. It worked well. Thank you. I got a lot of compliments both on the costume and on my beard Saturday night. The beard is coming in mighty full. <laughs> I've been growing a beard for the past two months, and yeah, a lot of compliments on the beard. So much so that I had to ha- I had to let one or two of our friends uh, actually tug on it because they believed it was fu- they believed it was fake. <laughs> so, but uh, all in good fun, and it was a great party as it usually is. You and your wife do that annually every year, and it's always a blast. Uh, it was a great one. It was a great one. Yeah, it's a lot of people this year. Oh my god, it was a it was a packed one. This was like kind of like our Fourth of July parties. Our Fourth of July is usually a packed party. Uh, this was probably I would say one of our best Halloween ones yet. Um, and man, like I said, people were not afraid to drink, <laughs> and that's for sure. I must have well, made about 60 drinks at least. 
I was um, going to say it, it also didn't help that, you know, we had, were fresh off of, you know, the season finale of Still Afraid of the Dark and you having all these fresh new drink recipes in your head from doing that podcast for the past nine weeks. Uh, you made a bunch of them Saturday night. So. Yeah, I, it was funny because I was trying to place where the time went and I'm like, oh, yeah, I made drinks most of the night. I mean, I got sauced, too, but still, <clears throat> ultimately, <laughs> I mean, it boiled down to the fact that. I think, yeah, no, no lie. 90% of my night was making drinks and I had a blast doing it. So it was great. It was well worth yeah. it. Well, well, well I know you, I, I know you enjoy doing the whole mixology thing. Oh so my yeah, God. Sure. It's, so, it's so much fun. And again, also too, I just want to give you a special, th- uh, you know, special shout out to you and a big thanks to you is because straight up, man, like you and I were, we just tore through an amazing season of a brand new show just the other week and just wrap that up and it, like our last episode went up on Halloween night and you and I are both already saying how much we already miss doing that podcast yeah um, for sure I guess gotta say it's always the testament of how much fun it is to podcast with you whether it's doing this show or when we're doing caffeine crew together or when you're on that one occasionally but that was such a fun new show to do um but I just a massive shout out to you for making that sh- show as much fun as it was I think for me as I hopefully it was for you as well, well so yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, the the as big of a shout out goes right back to you, because like you said, it's it's you are one of my favorite people to podcast with. And, you know, whether it's this podcast, Still Afraid of the Dark, Caffeine Crew, anything we have planned for the future, like I, it, podcasting with you is an escape. Oh, yeah. Um, same. Same. You know, and it's therapy for me. So I, I always appreciate it. So, I mean, you know, you say props to me. I say props to you. It's just. You oh, know. man. Well, like I said, it. This is this is what it happens when you get to do this with family. So it's perfect. So, yes, indeed, for sure. All right. Um, just so we don't stream my voice, though, I think we're going to have to move into the shows, though. I was just about to do that. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, you know, we're still at full strength and I think we're going to be at full strength up until crisis, uh, which is right when Arrow's going to end and Legends is going to start. So. Even post-crisis, it's going to be four episodes a week. But, you know, for right now, leading up to crisis, we I don't think there's a break. Um, I think it's straight through to crisis uh, going forward. I think so. so and then, um, you know, after obviously after a crisis hits, uh, I think the shows all go on break until crisis returns. And then I think, you know, everything wraps up uh, for things like Arrow and then new shows start, all these things. But and it's funny, too, because we're about to announce a ton of new shows, though, though, too, that are adding into the mix in one place or another. Yeah. And one of them, which you have in the news towards the end of the podcast, I uh, and I posted it on our Facebook page, which is, you know, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. There's one that we kind of saw could potentially happen. And now that they've announced it's currently in the works, I was I'm excited for it. Yeah, uh, it's, the, and it's one that we've expected for some time. Um, yeah, and, and you're, as you were just saying, uh, it, you know, it w- did not it was not a surprise, uh, but it, it's it'll be interesting because like we'll save that conversation until a little bit near the end uh, because I'm wondering how that's going to impact another show. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so let's jump into the swing of things this week with the four shows that we have to talk about. That being, of course, Batwoman, Supergirl, The Flash and Arrow, uh, as we always do, I'll go through and I will read the episode. We'll give our one of three point ranking, that being sidekick hero or legend. And then we'll go back and we will break down and talk about the episodes. Uh, So first off, we have Batwoman Season 1, Episode 5, 
Where do you fall on this one, sidekick, hero, or legend? And my brain decided to back up again and said, wait a second, what happened again? <laughs> so, <laughs> And you just finished watching it. Oh No, I just finished watching this week's, so... I watched. Oh, oh, see, I didn't, I didn't watch this week's of Supergirl or, or Batwoman because I didn't want it to blend in with what we had to talk about this week. Yeah, I know. I purposely my, waited. My wife really is enjoying Batwoman a lot, and you know, um, so she wanted to watch it last night, and it was, it was a little late when it was up for us to get a chance to check it out. So we were like, you know what, we'll wait until tomorrow. So that was kind of what we did for dinner. So. This week, I can tell you my review for the one for next week will be fantastic. Uh, okay. that was a, it was a good episode. It was a really strong episode. Uh, but I will say episode four, uh, I will give a high hero to. Episode uh, five. Uh, or Well, last week was episode four. Yes. Oh, yes. You're right. Wow. That. Um, yeah. Yep. I had the wrong one up. I'm glad one, you said that. <laughs> the one that just aired last night for all of our viewers Um uh, that that was episode five, which is also the episode that gets us up to speed to everything post episode five is Elseworlds territory now. Yes, yes. or post Elseworlds, I think. Uh, but no, um, I can definitely say for episode four, I'd give it a high hero. I, I think the show is finding its footing. I think it, it, it's figuring itself out a little bit more as we go through each and every week. Um, but I, I don't think there was anything really spectacular about it. But um, it was great to see them play with a new villain that we haven't seen yet. And I think Magpie was more entertaining than we've seen. Like when we were saying it was a little disappointing on how we saw Tommy Elliott in the beginning. Magpie felt like a, a traditional classic villain of the week, like the way that we saw in original seasons of The Flash and such. And we're getting our kind of entry into the world of Batwoman a little bit more instead of just a pure focus on just Kate and Alice. So. Nice. Yeah. So I have to, I have to correct myself. I, I said it was season one, episode five. We're actually, see, I, I'm already confused because we're recording a day late. Uh, but yes, it, we're, this week is, this episode is season one, episode four. Um, and I, I'm glad I had to fix that. Um, for me, yeah, it's probably like a mid hero at the same time. I feel the same way. Magpie was a great villain. Uh, that was a lot of fun with, and we definitely saw a little bit more evolution of Kate as, as Batwoman. Um, but I mean, other than that, you're right. There was nothing really spectacular that kind of blew me away. It, the episode, I don't think it faltered um, as in like it, it didn't turn me off of the show, but there really wasn't too much anything new that attracted me more to it than I already was. Right. Yeah. And I, I agree. I, I think, you know, we do get a couple pieces kind of pull back and we'll talk about that when we get into the episode. But I will say, you know, uh I am more looking forward to talking about next week's episode when we get there because um, I'm curious to see where you fall there because it feels like we've been building up to something. And now I think when you add where post-episode 5 and adding Elseworlds into that mix of who this, this character is, I think by the time we get to episode 6, we could be looking at somebody completely and wholly different. So I'm, I'm very curious. Very, very curious. Okay. Uh, that leads us into Supergirl Season 5, Episode 4, uh, Sidekick Hero or Legend from you, sir? I'm gonna just give this a middling hero. Um, you know, there is a couple really good scenes in this episode, especially near the end. But this uh, this season's still struggling. It, it's still struggling to find its itself. And I really hope that they can start making some positive momentum. And I, I think you're right. I know we talked about it last week, but... I think Crisis needs to get here soon because I think it's delaying a lot of shows from really giving the opportunity to kind of get running. 
Yeah, we, we've mentioned this a number of times already since starting this season, and uh, that was one of the things that I felt even just from the first two episodes of Supergirl. It's a, it's a, it's a mid-hero for me as well. Um, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that because of Crisis on Infinite Earths, while it's it's going to be epic one way or another, I'm, I'm almost positive of that, and it's going to really shake things up. Uh, you know, Arrow and... Uh, or Flash and Supergirl are the two shows it's affecting the most when it comes to having to split their seasons. And Flash, I think, is off to a great start, uh, a strong start with their opening season, uh, their first half se- or season, you know, um, uh, whatever, season seven, season six or season seven of The they're, Flash. They're it's in season, season six. six. Yeah. You know, so like season six A is really strong. But Supergirl's season 5A is really not that strong at all. Um, so, yeah. So there's definitely some stuff that needs to happen and they need to. And they're, it, tri- they're tripping. It, 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 but it, it was alluded to where it's going. Like we, we get a little bit more about it this episode of, you know, they're starting to peel back the layer. Uh, it's just they're taking their sweet time this year, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And it makes you wonder how important it's going to truly even be after crisis is wrapped up. That's the big question is after something as big as crisis, is the show going to feel small in comparison? And that's a big question because, you know, crisis is ending a show and crisis impacts the, uh, the other show that's still happening very heavily. So it's the question of the impact it's going to have on Supergirl because Batwoman still has its first first season to tell. So they get a little bit more kind of wiggle room on how crisis impacts it on the, the larger scale. But I think Supergirl is the show that really needs to um, make has to make waves because we know it's struggling in the in the ratings right now um, uh, in comparison to the, all the rest of the shows in the Arrowverse um, that it's really struggling. And again, with something that we're going to talk about in news, it also makes us worry a little bit more, too. So I really want to see them um, make some positive change. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? And you bring up a good point. I don't want to dive too deep into this now because we haven't even gotten into breaking down the episodes yet. But, you know, when you said, like, it's the impact that it's going to have on Supergirl, you know, post-crisis, Supergirl right now, because it is a a superhero show that happens on its own Earth, Earth-38, and it's you know, they're the only show that happens on Earth 38. They're kind of the lead. I mean, they they're kind of the strong asset of that world. But once they if things get shaken up the way we're expecting them to post crisis and everything becomes part of the same Earth, you know, Supergirl Earth 38 merges into Earth one. They've gone from being big man on campus to just another fish in a, in a bigger pond. You know, so they kind of have to really make that impact going into the second half of their season. Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And it's okay. You know, when again, when we get to the news, I'm going to bring up a theory of mine. So. Okay. All right. I, hey, man, I still think we should just combine all the shows into like the, uh, what did I call it? The, not the Super Friends. The, um, um, oh, I don't even remember what I was calling it. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, oh, well, that's all right. Uh, moving on, we have The Flash Season 6, Episode 4. Sidekick hero or legend from you, sir? Uh, you know what? I'm going to actually, you know, I, I mentioned there was a really big moment in, in you know, Supergirl as far as like emotion. But and there was one of those moments in the Flash this week, too. But I will tell you the one in Flash killed. Me. Oh, God, um, did it. I watched um, it twice. And, and honestly, though, too, it was 
the whole episode of the flash was this way there was but it ended with such a just just a gut punch of a scene and i i will honestly say i just in general because of how well everyone just handled this episode i gotta give this one a legend yeah plot line may have been a little thin but in the grand scheme of things it was a lot of reaction this week from a lot of people and a lot of characters you didn't expect certain things to come from. Um, but it, it, when we got back around to kind of what the original core was, um, I think it, it had a really significant impact. And I, I, I got to give it a legend. Have to. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, it's a legend for me as well. I mean, it was one of those things that when I finished watching the episode the first time, um, you know, I man, dude, there were tears in my eyes when I was done watching this episode because of that final scene. And I'm not talking about the post credit teaser. I'm talking about you. You know exactly what scene I'm talking about. And right. if, if you've seen the episode, you know exactly what scene we're talking about. Um, so much like and again, it was an episode. I watched this episode twice uh, and I still got choked up the second time watching it because it's that impactful of a moment. And from one of our favorite actors on that series, on this series. So, you know, it, it, but, you know, that aside, superior acting from most of the cast this episode, that alone, as you mentioned, was enough for me to bump this into legend. Putting, even putting storyline aside, the acting was enough to get it to legend for me as well. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to Arrow, season eight, episode three. Uh, sidekick, hero, or legend? I will give this a low to mid hero. Um, it wasn't a bad episode, but it also felt like it didn't need to exist. Uh, I feel like for a season that only has 10 episodes to play with, this was a waste. This was, a, unfortunately, I would say a very large waste of time. Uh, because really, this, this episode had one objective, and that was for Ali to say goodbye to Thea. And that was it. It, it didn't move anything forward, really, with the exception of a stinger that we get in the last sequence. And that was something that they could have started an episode with and just got to it. And I feel like this was, unfortunately, a waste of time. Well, I mean, I agree with you on the most part. I do. We talked a little bit about this when we were prepping. It, it's a mid-hero for me. Um it, it did bring one other important element pre-crisis into this. Um, we get our first backdoor introduction to the Anti-Monitor. Um, but it's not known yet that that's who that is. It's suspected right. it's, that it's... It's, it's in a light of, way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's it's thinking right now is that this is the is the monitor, but when you look at the picture and you look at the image of the monitor, the Anti-Monitor that we've seen that's been released, this is most definitely the Anti-Monitor in these then um than anything else so it did bring that into it too but even if it didn't bring that into it we still could have gotten the anti-monitor later and this wouldn't have impacted it at all right so that's no, uh, yeah absolutely true yeah so i mean it's a it's a mid-hero for me um and i'm really only giving it a little bit of credit because this was an episode that was directed by katie cassidy um and while the story fell flat i feel like visually um and the flat story that we got the way it was told. I still think it was a well shot episode, but yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I, you know, the action sequences, they, you know, that's something we've always known though. Like arrow knows how to shoot an action scene, action scene. Like they know how to make stuff look pretty. I mean, like, again, you, you had some great sets to work with. So, I mean, it really worked. It's just, uh, I think it, 
uh, the, as as Paul Hollywood would say on Great British Bake Off, <laughs> style over substance. So uh, I love that you brought in Paul Hollywood into our podcast. You're that's welcome. A, that's amazing. Thank you for that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, and the only other really, I mean, there is one other thing that happened before that big teaser, but we'll get to that when we talk about the episode itself. Uh, but yeah, so let's go back to the beginning and talk about Batwoman season one, episode four, titled Who Are You? A new villain with an eye for all things that sparkle drops in on the city. Kate attempts to find a balance between her personal life and her new role as Gotham's guardian. Catherine has an uncomfortable encounter with Alice, who always seems to be one step ahead of the Kane family. And Batwoman pays fangirl Mary a visit to ask for a favor. So um, the one thing I do want to start with when it comes to this episode is something we kind of had an issue with last week. Uh, and that's the character of Mary. There, there was a... You know, we had a little bit of an issue in which we didn't know what they were doing with this character, you know, when she's looking at the camera saying, hey, I'm a social influencer. You know, do you have any idea what this means? Blah, blah, blah. Kind of left a bad taste in our mouth when it came to Mary. I feel like they corrected that this episode. We're back to the Mary that got us interested in Mary um, well, I think, when we I first think met her. It's 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 really hard for me to talk about this because I've already seen the next episode in. Yeah, we we do get to see a little bit more of the socialite kind of esque version of the character, the influencer style, and the way that it plays in episode five. Just to give you a little sneak peek for next week, is they play it because they finally have her interacting with a character that it works well with. Okay, uh, and we get to see her have some interactions with Luke next week. So that makes it interesting. And I think it's really dependent on how and the way and where they're playing it. And I think, you know, it's great because we know there's a deeper side of her character. And I think the fact that now we can see that she is, she is a lot more multifaceted than we give her credit for. Uh, and so I think, you know, it's not like they, they're, they're being swinging wildly, you know, about how do we write her. It is like, nope, this is just the two sides of her character. And I'm like, okay, cool. So it, it's starting to level out. But yeah, I think you're right. This episode undid some damage that I think we both felt existed in episode three. And I think when we get to see the next part of that play a little bit, you're just seeing a humanistic side of her kind of play in episode five a little bit more where it's somebody that's just vulnerable and trying to find their place in a mixture of what they do for a career. So it's real life versus career life. And yeah, it's going to be interesting from what we saw in this episode, how she continues to play as an ally to Batwoman. And I think that's going to be really fun to watch. It kind yeah. of, like I said, we feel like we're seeing kind of a setup of like a new Leslie Tompkins almost is the best way you can put it. Well, I think you kind of hit a little bit of a nail on the head when we were talking about this issue last week too, as you had mentioned, you know, it's kind of like similarly the same way in, you know, maybe like uh, Batman Begins and some movies like that, how there's kind of a dual personality between Bruce and Batman. Um, and we're seeing that more with Mary than we are with Kate. You know, Kat, Kate seems very straightforward. She's it seems like a very similar personality between the whether it's her or Batwoman. And Mary's the one that kind of has that but that opposites personality. Um, you know, so you kind of shined a little bit of maybe it's like a, a Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayneism, I guess maybe as a way to put it, uh, in the way she you, was you'll behaving. Have a, you'll have a different perspective of that next week. Okay, all right. So, um, it, it's where I would like to think, but it's not. So, so it's different, but it's still enjoyable. I'll, I will say that. 
Okay. I think uh, it, it's it's been boiling down to I think watching our actual cast grow as far as what they're capable of and the people that they interact with. And well, I think it's it's we have a couple bland characters, but those bland characters are starting to not become bland anymore. See, now you've got me really curious and I might end up watching this week's episode, the most recent episode when we're done while I'm editing this uh, particular podcast since it's out already because just from what you said about how the way it shapes up for what they could do with episode six, um, you know, could change a lot of things with the series. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I did have a question watching this episode. We know that Rachel Maddow is a cast member uh, and she's basically just done voiceover. That's all she's going to be doing. That's what I was going to ask. Do we know if we're going to ever meet her or is she just doing voiceover throughout the course of the season? Uh, it's just for you as far as I understand Okay. Yeah, kind of like a J. Jonah Jameson was in the start in the uh, Spider-Man video game. Yeah, kind of just like that. Yeah. Um, what's something about the episode? Because you mentioned Magpie, and I'm I wasn't familiar with Magpie before this episode. I mean, again, another it is a, another uh, DC villain. Uh, you know, a more more recent one uh, versus and recent. We're talking like in the last like like decade kind of type character. But mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, Magpie could. If memory serves correctly, probably grows back farther than that. It's probably more like 20 years now at this point in time. but Or one of those characters. Because, again, it's one of those ones that you can just never recall if this is a character that kind of went through a massive transformation. Um, you know, it, there are so many, you know, villains and villainesses that exist across, you know, DC Comics history and lore that it's always kind of hard to kind of say, uh, oh, and you know what? Sorry, Magpie goes back to 1986. Okay. So about 30 years. So, but again, we're seeing uh, the more cur- current version and current iteration of these characters. But I will say, you know, they, I think they did a really good job of getting the character down. Uh, it played exactly how I expected it to play, you know, here. And I think they did a good job with it. So I was very happy to see it played as well as it did. You, we've definitely seen this character uh, more over the last couple of years. We have seen, you know, um, Magpie appear both in shows like Gotham uh, is been in Be- you know Beware the Batman and you know this character has shown up quite a few places so this is obviously not the, f- the first and last place that we're going to see the character mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I, I felt like it played as a great kind of like villain that could pop their head in from time to time uh, and, and, and it would work well I think in this because she was a fun villain at the same time too it, you know it plays in that very kind of it's that Magpie plays in that great vein that's a little bit a little bit penguin, a little bit catwoman kind of blended together into one. Uh, and that's how she always has kind of been portrayed in the comics as well. So um, I think, you know, it worked it worked in, in a pretty decent way here on, you know, things in the grand scheme. So I, I think, you know, this is something we're going to maybe start seeing a little bit more of in more of these maybe more obscure Batman villains and Batwoman villains are going to start kind of coming in. Because again, Magpie has always been a little bit more of a I would say probably more of a seed lister and you know they, they've done more and more to bring magpie kind of up the ranks more into maybe like a b-tier villain uh and i think we're going to maybe see this is going to be someone we're probably not going to say goodbye to permanently was magpie a batman villain or a batwoman villain batman batman um all right so yeah then it's interesting that we're seeing you know some of these batwoman i mean well you know obviously because we saw tommy elliott uh who is a batman villain uh, Batman character coming into it. it it'd be I'd be think it would be fun to see some of these more obscure Batman villains coming into the Batwoman uh, universe. Uh, 
I, I say it all the time. Well, I haven't said it in a long time. Not since we talked about the the Batman animated movie, Batman 66 animated um, that Burt Ward and, and Adam West did. But, you know, one character I've had that is always stuck in my head since I was a kid is King Tut. Um, don't know how you would bring him in, but if he ever pops up in Batwoman, I'll be happy. Hey, it could happen. It, it definitely could happen. Absolutely could. Um, it, yeah, it's tough for me to try and remember exactly everything that happened in this episode. I know the only other it's two... Been- yeah, I was going to say it's been over a week for me. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it's been probably close to that for me as well because I watched it relatively close to when it aired. Um, the only two things I can think of, um, well, there's three things actually I can think of that kind of stick out in my head is obviously we see, uh, you know, the troublesome leading to the ending of the relationship between Regan and Kate, um, which I think. Shame because I did enjoy her character, but I, you know, it, we're. we're we're starting to get the traditional version of, of Batwoman now starting to kind of blend in a little bit, but like you even have that conversation with Luke where it was, you know, her uh, like, well, like Luke and Kate talking, kind of saying, you know, it, with, for Bruce, Batman was more of the normal person and Bruce Wayne was the, was the mask and Kate trying to figure out how she's going to lead a life. And I think that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know we get the big revelation that Catherine comes clean uh, by the end of the episode to uh, to Jacob about the fact that she covered up. Uh, she helped to cover up Alice's death uh, because, you know, and under I guess understandably so she saw what it was doing to the family. So she did it in a sense not to be nefarious, but more to just kind of give him a sense of false closure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see now what that's doing in because we see that moment at the end when he's listening to that cello music again and he's broken down. He now really I think he's come to the realization and you know more about it, obviously, having seen this week's episode. Um, but by the end of last week's episode, the episode we're talking about, he's pretty much come to the realization that Alice is indeed his daughter. Yeah. So and the only other thing I can think of off the top of my head um, you know, I talked a little bit about how we see a little bit more of the evolution of Kate becoming Batwoman. Uh, and that kind of plays out a little bit with the banger Batarangs. Uh, you know, we see that, you know, Luke had them kind of calibrated to Bruce. And now they're more calibrated to Kate to the point where, and it was kind of a humorous moment with her trying to catch the Batarang and it ends up breaking a priceless vase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, which, which, it, it, which played for some fun humor at the same time, too. Yeah. It's kind of like crap. You know, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, but other than that, I don't know if there's really anything else about the episode that you kind of want to talk about. No, I, I think you really kind of covered it. Again, we're we're kind of again. This is like when we were, you know, season ones of shows. Is there's a little less to talk about at the moment because, like, we've already gotten a little bit about this these characters. And again, unfortunately, you know, since I'm, I'm a little under the weather, it's gonna kind of slow me down a little bit brain wise. So yeah. But um, I mean, I, I will say, you know, again, so episode four is the last episode from before Elseworlds. Episode five is post Elseworlds. Yes. So e- Elseworlds. We, we do. Right. I was just going to. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, the showrunner um, has come out and said that Elseworlds falls between episodes four and five. Right. And we do get a couple quick references in episode five uh, of some things that happened, but very minimal. They don't they're they're not mentioning big characters like. Arrow and Flash and Supergirl or anybody like that yet. It is more about some event that happened in Gotham. So okay, 
Uh, so yeah, so um, as the time of us recording this, and obviously at the time that you're listening to this, uh, this episode, uh, episode five has already aired. You've probably, you might have even already seen it before um, us talking about it. But episode five, mine is a long and sad tale. Uh, Alice takes Kate down the sad winding road of her life in the days after the accident. Mary has an argument with Catherine that sends her looking for Kate at Wayne Tower, but she comes unwelcome, uh, but Oh, that should be becomes unwelcome company for Luke. Not, but she comes unwelcome company for Luke. That's IMDb. Get your shit together. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the little tease is, you know, Mary has a very serious conversation with her mother. And by the time she gets to Wayne Towers, she is very drunk <laughs> and it's very amusing. Interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's, it's really kind of, it's, it, it, it plays for some humor, uh, which is nice to see a little bit of that starting to kind of, lay into into in, in batwoman a bit so yeah uh all right that moves us into supergirl season five episode four in plain sight kara's investigation into william day's criminal activities results in the shocking revelation he is not who she thinks meanwhile the conflict between malefic and john reaches a boiling point so again looking back at the episode it's been a little bit of time since i last watched it but there's there's three main points that i can think of that really need to be discussed obviously we have the the revelation of william day uh and what came to be by the end of that we have the capture of malefic uh but that story is certainly not over with where we see he and with finding out where he ends up by the end of the episode or who he ends up with rather at the end of the episode mm-hmm. um and then probably the the biggest meat of the episode um is james and his journey and this is this is his goodbye pretty much um i think this is his i mean i'm pretty sure this is his final episode of the series i think the series. i think this is yeah his series exit correct <clears throat> so i mean if it wasn't then they put a lot of hype behind saying goodbye if he's going to come back, you know, for one more yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. So um, where do you want to start? Um, should we just knock out the William Day stuff? Because that, yeah, that's relatively quick. Yeah, I think it, it it's, yeah, we could just kind of get that out of the way. Uh, you know, we, we find out, you know, with her and Nia kind of investigating him, uh, finding out he's he's traveling overseas, following him. Uh, only to find out that he's not responsible for somebody's death. He was assisting to cover up somebody, uh, to not covering up somebody's death. He faked somebody's death uh, because he is indeed, he is not working with um, uh, Andrea Rajos. Uh, he's investigating her. That is, he is undercover investigating her and some of the stuff that um, she's probably behind, which I don't think has been revealed to us yet. Correct. So and that's really the gist of it, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, you know what? I, I don't think we need to talk about anything else with that. <laughs> done and done. We're good. You know, we, we kind of touched on that a little bit last week. Isn't that, you know, he's obviously probably not more than um, a little bit more than what he seems. Is it is he going to be a villain? Is he going to be an ally? And uh, it, I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to be an ally. He's he's yeah. pr- he's very protective of Kara and doesn't want Kara involved. Uh, and I would not be surprised if at some point coming up, uh, he actually finds out who she is. Yeah, I, and, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he finds out that Kara is indeed Supergirl. Mm-hmm. So um, let's see. What do we go to next? Do we go to the Malefic or do we yeah, go let's, to? Yeah, let's go into the Malefic, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it. yeah, we'll just go into that. Okay. So obviously, you know, we see a big part of this episode of them trying to basically, you know, 
recapture Malefic at this point in time, where we we see him continue kind of gunning after um, you know James's sister through the the whole kind of crux of the episode, where you know that's kind of it, it it's the keystone of it all still, where they're kind of saying, all right, you know this is. This is where we're kind of at. And they're like, okay, well, how do we kind of trap him back in the Phantom Zone at this point? And the way that that plays is we watch uh, Brainy kind of struggling with the whole relationship angle with Nia. And him kind of going through this whole kind of story about acceptance of needing help sometimes to kind of take the next steps forward. Um, And ultimately, that kind of comes at the hands of Lena Luthor. So Lena definitely kind of helps with the Phantom Zone projector and, of course, takes a little bit of her her own tech, adds it into the mix because she kind of realizes that Malfec is basically using the Q-Waves uh, and with the previous stuff from the Obsidian tech. So it kind of works with what her and Hope are trying to accomplish. So we definitely see her uh, uh, kind, of, kind of playing both sides again, uh, as, as usual. And I don't know how you feel about that at this point because it's... It, she's she's being such a remorseful character about like all these things of the people that she's talking with, but is doing so much dirty, underhanded stuff that you don't know what to think of her anymore as a character. Yeah, it's funny because you know you made the comparison last week, or you made the prediction last week um, with uh, with Brainy going through like not being able when he said like I can't be one hundred, I can only be one hundred percent, I can't be anything less than that. Uh, you know, so uh, you know with with Jesse Rath, sister coming in to play Brainiac as well. You mentioned the whole being able potentially going to be splitting the character into two. And I kind of, it's weird that I kind of feel like that's what we're already getting out of Lena. Um, you know, I feel like at some point in time, we're going to see two Lena Luther standing next to each other because they're that diametrically opposed, uh, that diametrically that opposite. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's going to be a big twist on the season that we're not seeing the same Lena. This is actually two different Lenas, and we're going to see them standing next to each other at some point. Because that's really what it feels like sometimes. And it's not... I don't want to say it's bad. I don't want to say it's good. It's it's conflicting. Yeah, Um, it's... I just don't know what to think of her character at this point. Like, should I think of her as a ally or a villain? Like, I generally don't know. And I don't feel like the show knows what it wants us to think of her as well. And that's the problem. And I think that's that's adding a, a little bit of confusion to 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 the story at this point. And I, I, I generally don't know. Because it's like, okay, is, is Lena our big bad? Is Andrea Rojas going to be the big bad? You know, is Malefect going to be the big bad? And right now it feels like none of the three of them are working as the big bad at all. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like they need to, I, I feel like they need to, to make a choice as to whether or not she's going to be against or because it, it feels like even though she knows who Kara is, she's, she's, fo- she's for, She's with Kara, but against Supergirl. And as a character, like that works in a situation where you don't know that one is the other. But well, when but I mean, when you know that they're yeah. when you know that they're the same person, how does that work? Well, I mean, like at this point though, like she does know that. So it, it's it's she's just against her at this point. I mean, there's no with it. She's just playing it at this point. I mean, she, you know, Kara talked to her. She she knows this information. I mean, that's done. You know, she knows everybody that's in on it, you know, at this point in time. Like, there's no secrets anymore. Like, that's gone. Like, that's completely removed from the equation. It is just Lena is 
doing what she feels is the only thing that's right. And it's, she's becoming a Luther is the best way to put it. Yeah. Is she's, and that's really what it boils down to. So I guess we're meant to treat her as a villain at this point. I generally don't know what the show wants us to do because she still is playing up these positive things with other people, but only if it serves her. So yeah, she's a Luther. And that's really what it boils down to. That's- I mean, but you know, as all this plays though, again, so they, they use the new tech, they capture Malefic again. You know, they think he's stuck in the Phantom Zone, but no, surprise, surprise. Uh, he is in a holding cell and a holding containment in Elcor, you know, instead. And that's kind of what we get. Uh, the only, I think, positive of the storyline is we know his human form next week is actually played by Phil Lamar. That's so, amazing. I can't wait And I'm that. good with that. Yep, me and too. I'm cool with that. I, I think that'll be great. I think it'll be wonderful because Phil Lamar is not only a great voice actor, but he's a good actor to begin with. So... I'm looking forward to seeing that play, but I, I think I don't know. I think this this storyline's not working. <laughs> so no, I mean we talked about it a little bit, and I think, like you said, it's it's one of those things that this they're kind of just biding their time until crisis. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, they're they're not giving us anything really super strong to cling to until that time happens. And you know, the Malefic storyline is is good. It could be better, um, you know. So I, I really, I really don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. The only other thing I, re- I think we really need to discuss, uh, at, at least bring up before wrapping up with talks of this episode, is yeah, we're saying goodbye to James this episode. Uh, you know, he's been with the show since season one, um, and you know, I think. When when it comes to what we know of this character, when it comes to what we know about James, as and he's actually referred to as Jimmy at one point in this episode, which was nice. Um, you know, I think this is a good move for as far as a reason why they wrote him off. It was a good exit. It was a good character exit. I think they, I think they handled it right, and they brought him back to. It's not about being guardian. It's not about being anything. They brought him back to being. Jimmy Olsen at the end. And I think that was the best way to end it. It was, nope, he was there as somebody that was there because Clark asked him, hey, can you watch over my cousin? And it it went back to, hey, he was a photographer, you know, and it wasn't James Olsen. It was Jimmy Olsen. And it's that we we undid, not undid anything. It was, but we, we brought him back to a simple place. And I think that's what worked well. Well, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, Clark uh, was the one that asked him to go there to keep an eye on Supergirl. And, you know, in six seasons, she's kind of come into in five seasons. She's kind of come into her own and uh, you know, his job is done. He really doesn't need to look after her anymore. In fact, it, you know, it's it's become quite the opposite where she was the one looking after him from time to time. So, uh, you know. He, he doesn't really have a reason to be there. And it, you're right. It takes the character back down to his roots of being a photographer, being a newsman, you know, not leading a multi-conglomerate news outlet, you know, like Catco. But I got to say, man, how much did they pay him at Catco that he could buy a newspaper? Lots. Yeah. He made a lot of money. He had to have. So. And he did some investing and saved it well. Uh, but yeah, so it, I, th- I feel like it was a really nice exit for the character. Yeah, because I, I really did like the fact that they took him away from these big things and, and, and again, brought it down to kind of like, 
not the aw shucks Jimmy Olsen, but kind of like the aw shucks Jimmy Olsen. It's the best way I can kind of put it. Like him being there to do something great. And, but again, it reminded you of the character and where he originally came from, from the comic book versus what kind of Supergirl turned him into in this in this show. Because which was, you know, I think if you were to tell anybody that's Jimmy Olsen, you know, a couple episodes ago, everybody would be like, huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> and but it, it ended back up in that place. And I think that was a cool way to do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny that you call him the all shocks Jimmy Olsen because you, when you look at me, Cad Brooks, we talked about it last week and like how like jacked he is now because of his, <laughs> yeah. his he's role anything but the all shocks. He, yeah. he, he's the all shocks Jimmy Olsen that like when if you were to make fun of him for that, he beat your ass, you know, because mm-hmm. he's he's that kind of Jimmy Olsen now. But, you know. Every everybody has their own takes on characters, and I, I've been, I've been a fan of this take on Jimmy since the beginning. Same, I, I really thoroughly loved McCad um, Brooks's uh, version of this character, and I, I. But I do think it was a great way to kind of like go back to the roots of what that character was, and they kind of did a great job of blending those two things at the end. And it was it was just a nice it was a really nice nice way um, to 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 close out. And I was I was really pleased with how the writers handled that because normally sometimes those characters could feel like huh they just kind of got like shafted a little bit this time i actually feel like they did it well i i just i just had a funny thought not a funny thought but i just had a, a thought uh obviously with with james leaving uh it kind of i guess retires the guardian character for now because we haven't really seen him turn it over to anybody else but what if post crisis when the worlds collide uh, we see another Guardian pop up, that from another Earth, uh, and it is in fact the more traditional blue and gold Guardian that we are familiar with. It's possible. I mean, like we saw the original character, you know, from Cadmus, yep. you know, already on the show. So why not? Yeah, because that was Eddie McClintock from Warehouse 13, yes, uh, who played him. So uh, you never know; they they could totally do that. Anything's possible. I would love to see it because, you know, uh, that was one of the big things I had with Guardian when they first introduced him. And I was like, this is not Guardian. And then this version of Guardian really grew on me and I became a fan. Yeah. So, so yeah. So next episode, uh, which, again, has already aired at this point, Dangerous Liaisons, episode five of the fifth season, uh, on the eve of the worldwide launch of Andrea Rojas's VR contact lenses, Kara and William team up on an investigation that exposes a terrorist plot. Kelly and Alex celebrate an anniversary, but Alex's safety is in jeopardy. So we shall uh, get to watch that this week. Yep. All right. That takes us into The Flash, Season 6, Episode 4, There Will Be Blood. Barry's efforts to prepare Cisco for crisis are derailed when Cisco schemes to save Barry's life instead. Ramsey Russo uh, uses his deadly new abilities to save his own life while sacrificing his humanity in the process. Um, I'm going to save the whole last scene uh, for the end of this conversation about The Flash because I feel like it's kind of... Uh, to me, the biggest moment of the episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the meat of this episode is really, uh, you know, obviously we see uh, Nash Wells come back into play mm-hmm. uh, because Nash knows of a way that they could potentially save Ramsey. And that is with this um, this formula. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember the lab uh, that was holding it. Uh, it was, it, it was, uh, it was, was it Mercury? Mercury Labs, I thought had it. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't Mercury. It was a different lab. Okay. I just can't remember. But yeah. Yeah, I can't remember it. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun 
watching, you know, these characters team up, uh, you know, when it came to Barry, Nash and Cisco. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but and kind of it, it was a, it was a clever way to to kind of have, uh, you know, the metahuman dampeners in the room to kind of d not I don't want to say dumb down, but you know well downplay barry yeah yeah it nullifies barry's powers so i mean again it, it was a great way to kind of watch them all kind of play off of each other but i, I gotta already say i really thoroughly love this new version i do of, too of, of, of wells i do too uh, and, and you know from like he's got like this great snarky sarcastic attitude to him but at the same time you know like what i said like you know with the metahuman dampeners it really gave us a good opportunity to see nash play out you know the way that he could um so you know yeah. it, it was fun being able to to see that without having barry kind of overshining him no that was true that was that i think that did work out really well but like again i love the fact that this whole episode was barry you know having his moment with cisco but basically kind of saying like this is look, man, like, you're the one that has to lead this when I'm gone. Like, you have to understand this. And it was kind of like the, watching the stages of grief play out with Cisco. You know, of, of, of kind of, you know, that, that jealous, you know, like, doing, like, kind of being, not jealous. Um, uh, well, it was, it was him being selfish and trying to want to make sure he was not losing his friend, not, not living in a world without the Flash, you know. Yeah. Uh, without his best friend. That was the, the thing for him. But at the end of it, he kind of understood what makes Barry uh, the like such a great hero. And I thought that was a really fun way to frame all of this is is watching that kind of realization kind of click with Cisco. And well, I think that that worked, I think, so wonderfully. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, the stages of grief is a good way to put it, because I feel like we've been getting a little bit of that since the beginning of this season. But I feel like this episode really gave us um, at least a little bit of all five stages. Um, you know, if you're familiar with the five stages of grief, um, uh, denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance at the end. Mm -hmm. And we kind of got uh, that whole spectrum, uh, probably yeah. more from from Cisco alone. Well, Cisco and Ralph, and then the acceptance part came from from, uh, from the Joe. one that broke us. Yeah, yeah it was the one that was the one that broke us. So yeah, but you know, when you look at you know the denial and isolation, we have Cisco really not accepting the fact that Barry's going to die and knowing that he can, you know, he can fix him. Uh, we get the stage of anger when Barry finds out that what Cisco did. You know, Cisco standing up and saying, you know, like if you want to do, if you want it, you got to go through me. Like that's very obviously anger. Um, I think that kind of ties into the bargaining a little bit uh, as well. Um, depression by the end, we, you know, we get Cisco breaking down of having, you know, to you know, not, you know, live in the world without the flash as well as his best friend, which I got to say that that right there kind of touched me a little bit. That got me, um, you know, and then and then and then he does he Cisco even hits the acceptance point, though, too. And that's when he, he looks at Joe and nods to Barry and says, you got to talk to him. Yep. You know, yeah. and 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 then we are le like, honestly, this is a short conversation on this one, because really it's going to be. Yeah. Things, um, you know, that's really exactly what this episode is. It is, it is the stages of grief. And, and it's, and when you get to that moment, when it's, it's Joe basically talking to his son that he knows that's about to die is, is it's brutal. It, I mean, it is 
Like they don't pull their punch. Well, like bef- you know, yeah. Before before we get before we get to that, let's just talk real quick about Ramsey Russo. Um, we obviously we get a little bit more of blood work. We see him kind of let go of his humanity. Uh, we find out that the the whole serum that they stole from the first place didn't work anyway, uh, and it kind of leads him to accept that he needs to he needs to drive people to fear before he can kill them so that he can live forever. And we kind of see, I, I have a feeling this is probably the, the most physical transformation we're going to get out of blood work. I think so too. This is going to be, I think a little bit more simplified unless they're waiting for the very end. And I can see them give us the traditional big monstery kind of thing at the very, the very final parts in the final moments of his character. Yeah. But like I said, you do see the zombie kind of angle. Which was great for an episode. Ep- great for an episode right before Halloween. You know, they you right. knew they it had was, to do it. It was a good. It was a good Halloween kind of way to to do this, and I think it worked well. Yeah, I think it worked really well. So, but I mean, again, short conversation. That that's really what this episode boils down to. Is you know, we get more of Nash Wells, we get the Ramsey Russo of it all, and then we get the stages of grief, which leads me into what I unfortunately I'm, I apologize cutting you off on. Um, that fu- that final moments at the end, those final moments at the end, first with Barry and Cisco, and then again at the very end, Barry and Joe, which God uh, broke me. And it's not, it broke me because of the fact that, you know, we have this whole conversation with, we kind of get Joe discussing with Barry, like he understands why Barry is being the way he's being stepping up, sacrificing himself. Uh, He totally understands it. But that moment, man, when he says, I'm not ready for this, and he breaks down, like, that got me. I was done. Oh, and honestly, like, when the credits hit at that moment, I'm like, oh, oh, that that hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was, was, I will say kudos to, honestly, both Grant Gustin and Jesse L, uh, because, man, they – they crushed that scene. Like they this they seriously crushed it. It was it was just it was touching, it was heartwarming and it and it broke your heart at the same time. Uh, you know, it was you, it was very believable through all of these what these actors have, have gone through and interacted with and have how they've played these characters over the years. That felt so believable. Yeah. I mean, we we got that with um, you know, the, obviously I think the strongest performances as you mentioned were Jesse L and, and Grant. Um, but you know, obviously, uh, Carlos Valdez gave us a phenomenal performance this week. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And Hartley Sawyer at the same time, man, yeah. like going through that. And, and you know, as as great as the performance was, you know, with coming to grips because he wanted to give up this investigation of looking for Sue Dearborn. Um, uh, oh, sorry, because uh, you and I have both have been doing it, and I didn't realize we've been doing it. Dear Bond, B O N. Dear Bond, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I I wanted to say Dearborn for the longest time, and I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, no, it's Sue Sue Dearborn. So yeah, I I think you said it once, and I just kind of wrote along with it. Um, yep, and I kept doing it too, not realizing it until this past episode. I'm like, oh, I've been doing that wrong the entire time. Yeah, I'm like, huh, it's all good. That's all right. Um, but yeah, um, you know, him wanting to give up that investigation because he kind of feels like if the world's going to end, what's what's the point uh, of it all? And then. You know, I, it was a great little moment because we know what's coming when it comes to Sue and Ralph. You know, when he's when Iris convinces him to take the case back on and he walks away, you know, and he's like, it's not like I'm looking for a wife. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly what you're going to find. And I can't wait. Yeah, <clears throat> no, that's true. 
Um, I guess the last thing we have to do is we do have to talk about that final little stinger. Yeah. Um, so in exchange for, you know, Nash Wells kind of helping them, you know, find that serum, the other piece that's part of that bargain is for Cisco to make him a very special key. And that special key leads him back down into the sewer systems of, you know, Central City and to a wall. And to a wall that he very much Indiana Jones's like prepares to Indiana Jones his way through uh, before we are cut to cut to credits. Um, and it makes you wonder, what are we going to see behind that? Because I think this is what maybe leads Nash Wells to becoming Pariah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Because it, it, it very it could be the case. It, it might be, you know. Uh, and I and think you're right how- on with that. I really do. Cause I don't think, yeah, I think that's a good way. C- because I mean, if you think about it, Kavanaugh's already playing Nash, he's going to be playing reverse flash again in, in crisis. If he had to play pariah two, that he's playing triple duty, which, and it's not to say he can't do it, but I think you're right. I think Nash becoming pariah is, is a good way to prevent the whole triple duty thing and still yeah, incorporate uh- him into it. It could be the case. It might not be. We 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 don't know. But like he's definitely looking for the monitor. So the fact that we know that that plays into this some way, shape, and form. Very curious to see how that's going to continue to go. Yep. So yeah, me too. Indeed. Uh, all right. So next episode, uh, season. I'm sorry, I clicked on the wrong damn show. Uh, season six, episode five, kiss, kiss, breach, breach. I already love the title to that. Uh, and it's a black and white episode too. It, so. No, it, the pictures don't yep. show it as black and white. The whole episode's in black and white. Are you sure? Because the the screenshots from the episode do not show it in black and white. Uh, I think there's a large sequences of the episode are in black and white. Oh, because I know Breacher returns this mm-hmm. week, uh, which should be a, a lot of fun. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with it. Uh, all right, that leads us into the final show. Uh, of the week, that being Arrow and the Temple of Doom. Okay, that was a bad joke. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's not not far off. Uh, yeah. I was also trying not to cough. The same oh, time, sorry. So. Uh, no, Arrow, yeah. Season 8, Episode 3, Leap of Faith. Reunited with his sister, Oliver and Thea find themselves searching through a familiar maze of catacombs. John and Lila partner on a special ops mission. Uh, we, we, we noted at the top of the episode that this is directed by Katie Cassidy. It's very well shot. The action sequences are still great. But as far as story goes for this episode, this is going to be a relatively short convo because there's not a lot that happens in this no. episode <laughs> pertaining to this final season. For an episode with three major sequences, nothing happens. For a season with only eight episodes, I'm kind of surprised that this is as close. Ten episodes. I'm kind of surprised that this relatively felt like a throwaway. Yeah, it's like what I what I said in the beginning. I'm like, I was like, I don't understand why this was an episode. Like, yeah, all right, let's get the future stuff (coughs) out of the way because we have to. Um, we can't skip over it. Yeah, this time. there's there's one very key elemental thing that happens that we we kind of well, can't get around. Yeah, so there's two actually. So like one of the casts uh, cast of characters does die in this episode from the future, and that's Zoe. Yes. So Renee's daughter, um, we do see is killed by JJ in this episode. So Deathstroke Junior, um, because uh, <laughs> that's the best way I can put it. Because yeah, that's that's who he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. 
So and technically, he's Deathstroke three in this. I don't know. <laughs> I, he's like the third Deathstroke that we've gotten in Arrow. Um, but we do see that Zoe is killed, and uh, the end of the episode. Yes, uh, they all end up in the present day, and we're probably led to believe that also means there's probably several of the Deathstroke gang, probably including JJ, are all going to also be in the present when we deal with the episode this week hooray 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 right, okay that part's and, out of well, the way you know what's funny about that too is i kind of had a thought and when i saw the end of the episode i actually had read uh what was what happened in the episode before i watched it so i, I knew what was coming before i watched it and then i thought about it and i'm like you know rob and i have not been talking about the flash forwards at all this season we've been ta- talking about like how we really don't want to talk about them we want to focus more primarily on the oliver leading up to crisis kind of stuff and the writers got word of that and said you know what fine we're going to make it so you have to talk about them and this is their way of doing it yeah pretty much yeah so oh well (laughs) um but yeah that happened so yeah and it it, there's a lot of rumblings that a lot of these characters will be remain around until the end of the season goody for us (laughs) all right Hey, look from uh, from from Oliver's point of, from <laughs> Oliver's point of view. I'm glad he finally gets to meet his daughter, uh, you know, and in some way, shape, or form, and and have a scene with her. Um, but if this, I would have liked it to have been one episode and done. Yeah, and you know what? But that's that's what they did, and this now makes sense though. If they do Green Arrow and the Canaries, is this is how you not have to have two canaries that are meant to be like 65 year old women in like, you know, the 40, <laughs> like you know, 2040 is you bring Mia to this time. And that is probably going to be the case. Um, so yeah, so that's the thing. Um, well, you know, it also, right. it also makes me wonder too, um, because we know Laurel is in the future already. We've already seen her last season. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, it makes me wonder if some of the ways that they can continue with some of these characters in the spinoff is uh, what if some of the characters from the present day actually go to the future with them? It's possible. It's very possible. It's I, I generally have no idea. It's going to be a big wait and see. I also probably won't wait and see. <laughs> yeah, um, me but it's OK. <laughs> um, but let's go to let's go to Nanoparbot. Worthless plot. Well, yeah, no, let's go to worthless plot plot point B of this episode, uh, which is, hey, you know, we have a massive twist last week with the whole stuff with Harbinger, a.k.a. Lila Michaels. And let's do a whole episode with Lila and John, you know, well, not a whole episode, but a, a large focal point. And they don't do anything really with that, though. And also for a whole thing that's involving, you know, Connor, Connor Hawk, um, as a small child, why would you not include Brock Turner, a.k.a. Bronze Tiger, in that sequence? It feels like you're not going to have time to do that later. You know, well, <laughs> it didn't make sense to skip the, skip that and kind of throw this in here the way that they did. Well, what kind of worries like, me about that is, is you know, are, are we not going to see Michael Jai White again? We're, I have a feeling we're not going to. They're just kind of, kind of, they're just going to give us a throwaway line that kind of writes him off. And I think that's rather unfortunate if that's what they and do. That's kind of, and I think that's what they did. Um, I, I unfortunately think that's what they did. And it's a little disappointing. It was, it, I felt like if you're not going to bother doing that, this kind of was forcing this plot thread through. And it was really, I hate to say it, but it was relatively boring. Um, 
and you know I, there was some good sequences between the two of the character you know lila and, and john but it was i will say in the grand scheme of things though it, it felt kind of worthless and didn't feel like it was worth much time or as much time as they wasted there you know uh but it could be just me i you know i i really I, I didn't feel like it serves a purpose this it's, week. I really it's didn't. not just you. Trust me. I, I felt the okay. same way. And like I said, when we got, um, uh, you know, when we when we saw um, not Con- um, young Connor, um, what's uh, Bronze Tiger's son, um, you know, and I'm assuming his wife. Uh, you know, through that whole thing again, like that was what was in the back of my mind is like, okay, are we not going to see Bronze Tiger again? And I really have this fear, as I mentioned a couple minutes ago. I just really hope there's not a moment that comes up where Lila says to John, "We sent a team, including Bronze Tiger," and then at the end of the, to do this to do this mission, and then at the end of the episode, well, they never made they never made it back. And that's your way of writing off that character, which you know, after episodes like Slapside Redemption, deserves more than that. Yeah, because they did a lot for his character by the end of last season. So the fact that they wouldn't utilize it is disappointing. Yeah. So, but when you only have ten episodes, uh, you know, I guess you got to pick and choose. But uh, man, I would have done more with him than I would have this Nana Parbat. Yeah, because uh, I mean, stuff that we got. This also kind of felt like it did something else with the whole Nana Parbat stuff, which was last season they ended with this whole oh well, there's the whole Thanos skilled thing, blah 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 blah. And this felt like they had to do something with that. Like they were forced to (laughs) kind of. Uh, And that's exactly what this was. That's exactly how this felt is this whole like, well, here's Athena. She's this horrible, horrible person. And I'm like, who is she? Did I, did I have a stroke at some point in the season (laughs) in the past? And I, I forgot about this character's existence. I'm like, nope, this is just, it's just something new. It's just something new and it's not enjoyable. <laughs> so, well, I mean, and not, only, not um, only that, but everything that they do with all, all of that, you you basically, you know, I jokingly said, you know, Arrow in the Temple of Doom, but, you know, you replace this. Uh, it's more like in it's more like Arrow in the Last Crusade. Um, you know, you replace, you know, the the tiles, you know, the darts, the darts are in essence that like, he had to go through trials to get to this sword. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of that, these writings that the legend that the League of Assassins had are basically rewriting the legend, basically rewriting the history of the League of Assassins as we've known it already in one episodes in that, in essence, they were created by the Anti-Monitor. Yeah, essentially, you know, yeah. so and that kind of changes everything. It was it was. It wasn't bad, but it was also weird. <laughs> so it it was an episode I, that had I not watched it, I wouldn't have lost a thing. No, I, I don't think so either. And honestly, it was this also felt like, hey, we're gonna throw Talia into this because Katrina Law was busy. Uh, that's kind of how it felt like. It felt like this was supposed to be a, a a Nissa and Thea story, and I have a feeling we're not gonna see Katrina Law. No, she's on uh, she's before. on Hawaii Five O now. She's out in Hawaii. Uh, and I think that's probably exactly why this is what it was. But they were like, we have to play catch up with Thea. Um, and because this is, it, well, you know, Katrina Law is not available. This is what we have to do is we're going to bring Talia into the mix. And then because of that, they're like, okay, well, we kind of have to deal with the Thanatos Guild stuff that we set up. Didn't really do anything with, but we still set it up anyway. Um, you know, please see, you know, our last, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
storyline that we did for Arrow, um, you know, in our our annual, where we basically ripped that to shreds. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because unfortunately, that's kind of what they're doing is they're playing cleanup, and and you know it's a shame too because I I feel like we're on this slightly rough decline from the premiere episode that was so good, and each episode is just lessening my interest more and more as we're getting to the end into the finish line. Um, you know, episode two was interesting, but it wasn't great. Yeah, but it wasn't terrible at the same time. This became a little bit more boring, and uh, I'm like, okay, you know, it, this is this necessary? I feel like there's so much more that we can do, and now we're about to go into something that I don't want to go. Yeah, into. yeah. The so. whole, you know, hey, we 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 did what you wanted. We got rid of the flash forwards, but you still have to deal with these characters. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll go. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that this coming week when we talk about this episode because there's more I think we can get into, but um, I'm going to save my voice okay. for, for that uh, and be actually be able to properly discuss it because I think there's some odd things here um, are, that, are, that aren't adding up for the realms of lazy writing, unfortunately. And I, it's, I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that in uh, the best way to put it is you, you have a major character whose absence has been felt all throughout the season being Emily. Um, and Felicity, and I think the idea was to have Oliver not around to even be able to interact with her. Well, congratulations, you're now putting him back in Star City, and he's interacting with everyone but her, and it's starting to seem a little weird, and that's, I think, the problem. Yeah. So, but we'll talk about that more next week. Yeah. Um, I I know you're trying to save your voice, and you can, I have one question, and you can answer it with a simple yes or no. Um, because this is just kind of something that I got when it came to the flash forwards in that, you know, when we had Deathstroke with Manu Bennett portraying the character and we got this big menacing person and now we have JJ portraying Deathstroke and a gang of Deathstrokes. Maybe it's just me or does it kind of feel like having a gang of Deathstrokes rather than just one person being Deathstroke? Does it kind of take away from the menacingness of Deathstroke when you have... No, because... It doesn't, but because that's something we've already seen. That was the end of season two. We had a gang of Deathstrokes. We had Deathstroke leading an army of Deathstrokes. Okay, yeah. There I... was all the mirror people in Mirakuru. What this is, and this is the problem with the season, and I, I will say this quickly because every time I talk longer, it's killing yeah. my voice. But um, this is, they're essentially playing back a weaker version of a greatest hits album um, every episode. You know, uh, episode two was, well, episode episode one of this season was the beginning of the series. It was slightly tweaked in a way that was interesting and enjoyable. Um, episode two was season three's flashback storyline of them going back to deal with these things and dealing with a character that they were just closing out, uh, a villain no one really liked. Um, and it wasn't necessary, but they did it. This was the whole climb episode, which was a a better episode when Oliver climbed up that mountain to have the duel with Rachel Ghoul. This is all of them just repeating these ideas, uh, but they're doing it in a way that's less enjoyable than the original journey. And I think that's the problem yeah. having like this future stuff with like Deathstroke and an army of Deathstroke. We've already seen this before, but it's just the same as we've already seen all these other plot lines they've done before. Um, and that's the problem. It, it, and I think that's what's hurting it. It's kind of like a no frills recap. 
um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just not working that well. It's it's season eight feels like a clip show, but it's a clip show like if you had a concussion. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this week's episode, season eight, episode four, present tense, uh, when a mysterious new Deathstroke appears in Star City, which that answers your question. Uh, Oliver and Team Arrow must insist on taking down this villain themselves. Meanwhile, reeling from the loss of their one of their own, the future. Team Arrow figures out a new way to try and stop JJ. So, yeah, we shall see. And it looks like we're going to see the return of Echo Killam this this week's episode, as well as another face to face between Oliver and the monitor. So we'll see how we'll see how it plays out. Uh, That's going to wrap it up for the the recaps of the episodes. I feel so bad doing this because I know how your voice is, uh, but I'm going to turn it back over to you. Uh, for you to hopefully push through some of the DC news. So um, our news is scaled down. There was more things that happened. I'm going to just keep it to the major points just because my throat's killing me, guys. Sorry about that all. Yeah. But um, so just speaking about Arrow, um, we do know officially that Emily Rickards is indeed coming back for the series finale of Arrow, uh, which is a surprise to no one. I've been saying that since her final episode last year that she will be back for the finale and there was no question about it. Um, so if you were saying I was wrong, you're, uh, that ha ha told that, you, so. you were wrong, told you so. <laughs> so <laughs> this is officially me saying told you so. Um, yep. But yeah, knew, we, we knew this was coming. This, this wasn't a question. Um, also another person that we know is coming back for at least, it sounds like two episodes is Mr. Paul Blackthorne. Uh, so we will see him come back Yay. for the final two episodes, I believe is what they have said officially for Arrow. Um, but, you know, as far as the major things, uh, we know uh, there was a couple other folks that have finished shooting on Elseworlds. I know, obviously, they're just kind of doing their final shots. Uh, some other shows are are obviously... Crisis, are, you mean? Yeah, Else, not Elseworlds. Elseworlds. Yeah, sorry. Uh, um, <laughs> that crisis, you know, uh, there, there's been more people that have been wrapping up on shooting this past week. So we, we know it's pretty much definitely coming to its end. Uh, probably within the next several days, uh, filming will be complete. And it sounds like we'll probably be seeing our very first trailer sometime late in November. My guess is I wouldn't be surprised if we see it uh, maybe around Thanksgiving is when we're going to see yeah. our first trailer for Crisis of Infinite Earths. That's a good prediction. Uh, so we also have a couple new shows that were announced this past week uh, for the HBO Max uh, streaming service, kind of where they had the media day for, for Warner Brothers. And they were kind of going through a couple pieces. So there was a couple of interesting ones. And we'll, we'll start on the lower point. And, and not that this is a lower point by any you know, stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, obviously, it's really exciting that we're getting to see, you know, new things like brand new Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera stuff. But we did find out that we're going to see a new show from Elizabeth Banks. Uh, and it's essentially going to be a superhero high uh type of TV show uh, for DC in the DC universe, which I'm really curious to see what it's going to be because Elizabeth Banks, you know, we, she, she's done a lot of great things between, you know, she's behind, you know, the pitch perfect series, the brand new Charlie's angels film, you know um, you know, recently everybody has saw her in. Um, oh my God. Uh, damn it. <laughs> uh, Brightburn. Yeah. Is, you know, yes. So. Yep. Yeah. 
So again, we're going to be definitely seeing that. But it sounds like from what we understand is the series is reportedly going to follow a group of students experiencing the fun and drama of adolescence at a boarding school for gifted kids. And this is inside the greater DC universe. And these teens are just trying to navigate the pressures of high school. But none of them realize that someday they'll become the legendary, uh, so become legendary DC superheroes. Um, so this is not going to like classic characters. This is going to basically be following a brand new roster of people. Um, so this is going to be, I think it could be a little bit of a mixture of kind of like a sky high. Um, so I, that'd be kind of cool. I, though. I'm, I'd be excited to see it. Cause like we did see some of these concepts already in the, in, in DC comics. Um, you know, I, so I, if they get an opportunity to play with this, it could be a ton of fun. Um, all right. So another show that is also going to be launching on HBO Max is a DC anthology series called Strange Adventures. And this is coming from Greg Berlanti. And and when we're hearing Strange Adventures, no, this is not starring Adam Strange. Because uh, <laughs> a lot of people initially you know, thought that this was the case. But this is kind of their all-own take of a DC Comics Twilight Zone. So uh, it could be really interesting, and I'm curious to see what this could potentially be. We don't know much about it yet, but like I said, we're, we'll be hearing, I'm sure, more and more about this the closer we get to things. But the big one, though, uh, over at HBO Max is officially Greg Berlanti, and we knew he was working on multiple shows over at uh, with this whole idea of HBO Max, is a Green Lantern TV show. And he did say there is a lot more to talk about this, but he said he couldn't talk about it specifically yet. Um, and there's been some rumblings. It's because, well, we already know who's going to be portraying and leading the show. So we do. There's been some rumblings that this is where uh, Mr. John Diggle is going to be heading. Yes, I was I was hoping that's what you were going to say. I would love to see David Ramsey move over. Uh, to this. There, there is there has been some rumors that David Ramsey is going to be the person um, is part of this show because they did say that when Arrow ended, it wasn't the end for most of our characters, and they said we'd be seeing a pop up in different places. So this there is a lot of just hearsay right now that this is the case, but we do know um, you know this is a project that's being spearheaded by you know. Um, Berlanti, and there's been some rumblings that Guggenheim is going to be involved in this as well. Um, so it's big wait and see that we'll find out a little bit more about this, hopefully, sometime soon. I mean, again, too, with Berlanti, you never really know. It could be anything. This could be this could be its own own thing completely. It could be a more of an adult-oriented show, kind of on all, uh, like Titans, something like that. It's a big wait and see. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about this soon. Uh, but our last big news story for this week is the story that we'll, we've kind of expected was going to happen sooner or later and that is a elizabeth Tulloch, tyra hocklin you know led superman and lois tv show is in the works at cw which is awesome to hear yes yeah i'm i'm very excited by this because we've we've loved his portrayal of superman since it popped up and so to see him kind of take the lead um you know, again, I again, what does this mean for Supergirl? But it, it's still going to be if the if it happens, it, it is in development. That doesn't necessarily mean it's been picked up or piloted. But uh, if this does get developed and makes it to air, I'm I'm really looking forward. I'm, to it. I'm really excited. And again, yeah, I, that's this is it's just like you said. It's the question of what will happen if 
you know, this does get picked up. Does this have an impact on Supergirl? Um, this, I mean, this could be their adventures off world. It could be. It very, very, very you know? much could be the case. And we, we don't know much about what this is going to be yet. Um, you know, this could be dealing with the two of them and jo- a young Jonathan Kent, which could be a ton of fun to watch. But we do know um, Todd Helbing, uh, who is the showrunner on The Flash, is going to write and executive produce with Greg Berlanti. So, uh, and Jeff Johns will also be executive producing the show. Uh, so again, this is really exciting to hear, uh, and it's great to see that the CW is not uh, not falling short of uh, concepts for for new shows and what they're they're willing to do and what they're potentially willing to bring in. But you know, they're looking forward and knowing that some some of these shows are going to be coming to a close sooner than sooner or later. Um, and I think this is them having an opportunity to kind of look forward and, and again to just because you know uh, you know the whole backdoor pilot out there for green arrow and the canaries does not mean that show is getting picked up or that's going straight to series or any of those things yet um that's true I, yeah they may really think um, about that it, it, all, anything can still happen and you know it, it's the big question of you know you think about yeah uh, the supernatural there was wayward you know wayward wayward sisters i think it was the show and that did not get picked up to series yeah, they did the backdoor pilot during the season, and it never got picked so, up. So you know, anything is possible. So I mean, the same thing for a Superman and Lois show. They could realize that it's not quite what they want as well. So it's a big wait and see. But I'm looking forward to seeing what what's going to come from this. And you know, I think the the future is very bright for the CW. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh cool. So if that wraps it up for the news. Yeah then we can just do some recommendations and some cheap plugs and make our make our way out of here. Um, re- any recommendations for the week? No. <laughs> from you. Okay. No, fair enough. Um, I- I'm just going to mention one. Uh, there is a movie that I have been wanting to see for a while, and I finally got an opportunity to watch it. It's I think it's on out on On Demand now. Uh, there's a movie, and when you hear the title of the movie, it's, you know, you're going to think, what is it? Uh, there's a movie out there called The Peanut Butter Falcon. And it is a movie I saw the trailer for months back, and I really wanted to see it because I thought it looked really well. Uh, it won a ton of war- ton of awards at film festivals. I watched it, and it is seriously one of my favorite movies of the year. And that's saying a lot considering it's November. Um, you know, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, 96 from the audience. It's very highly rated. And I'm not a Shia LaBeouf fan. He is amazing in this. Movie. I heard this is his comeback. Yeah, it absolutely is. Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, John Bernthal, uh, Jake, Jake the Snake Roberts, Mick Foley. Like there's a great cast of characters in this movie. It's absolutely wonderful. If you have not had the chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. Very cool. Uh, and then our cheap plugs, uh, and we'll get out of here. And uh, so, as always, you can catch this podcast as well as all other podcasts on, as part of the Next Level Podcast Network, Next Level the Next Level Network dot com, uh, Facebook dot com slash the Next Level Network, and the Facebook page for this podcast, which is Facebook dot com slash DC Primetime. And as for me, you can always find me through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, also through Next Level. Um, make sure to check out our our Halloween episode if you're still one of those people that is having a hard time letting go of October. Um, but yeah, make sure to check that out. We'll have another episode out in a couple of weeks uh, before uh, we close out November. And then we get to end in a big bad way with, as we end this year, talking about 
an all Star Wars episode yet again, but this time as we close out the Skywalker saga. So really yeah, looking with, forward to that with uh, us and all twenty one of our friends that are that are, that will be in attendance. Yeah, twenty two of our of us that will be in attendance. Um, but to save your voice, let me do the last two since uh, you usually do them. I'll do them uh, before we get out of here. Uh, but of course, special thanks to our friend George Shaw, uh, who provides all the music that you hear both at the top and the end of the podcast. Uh, be sure to go and check him out, georgeshawmusic.com. Uh, pay him a visit and check out everything that he does. And last but not least, we are on the cusp. We are approaching our annual Extra Life charity. As we always do, we are only less than two weeks away at mm -hmm. this point from Extra Life, uh, in which we are we are going to be indeed late a day or two with the podcast that week as well, because we're going to have been up for uh, probably close to 30 hours straight, both with the charity and preparation to clean up afterwards. Uh, so if you have not donated yet to that cause, all of the proceeds for this, uh, for from all of your donations, go directly to the Children's Miracle Hosp Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. Uh, we, in particular, go for uh, are raising money for Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, in which 100% of the pro proceeds go to. Uh, if you haven't donated yet, we ask that you do so, whether it be a dollar, a hundred dollars, anything you can give. Every little bit counts. Um, in order to do that, you can go to extra-life.org. In the search bar at the top where to search for players, you can search for the, our team name, which is Next Level. Uh, if you click on that or even just scroll down, you can see my name. You can see Rob's name. It doesn't matter who you donate your money to. As long as it's somebody from the Next Level team, it's all going to the same place. Uh, it doesn't matter. It, there's no competition between us. It all goes to a good cause. So um, – Go there and donate if you haven't already, and we would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, but and, and it's great, too, because I can say officially, as of this recording, we have broken $4,000 for our little corner of the universe. Which is amazing, so, yeah. So, very cool, and especially with a smaller team for us this year. Yeah, uh, but I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of, uh, of DC Primetime. Uh, again, we apologize for being a day late, but, you know, things happen. We didn't want to uh, I asked Rob if he wanted to take a break this week, and nope, he was champ, and he pushed through it. So, um, But that being said, thank you as always for being a part of the DC Primetime family. Thank you for liking, subscribing, commenting, all that you guys do. But until next week, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.